One day, we're going to get what we deserve. Actually not, right? Thank goodness one day we're not going to get what we deserve because of the blood of Jesus. But there are going to be those one day that are going to be caught off guard. Those that play the game. Those that one day are going to be surprised. Around a year ago, my kids found a dead snake. Now, if I'm honest with you, I, I don't like snakes. Anybody in here not like snakes? I'm just not a snake person. You could, you know, put spiders on me, all kinds of stuff like that. Don't even phase me. Snakes, maybe it's just because it's the serpent through, in the Bible. You know, I don't know what it is. But my mom, she really doesn't like snakes. And here's the other thing. My kids know that she's terrified of snakes, especially my boys. And so my boys, they find this dead snake. And me and well, one seven and one's nine, it, the temptation was just too great. And so they decided that they must surprise their granny with this snake. So you know in the past that I've talked about how my mom loves to mow. So they, they kind of figure out, well, there's something that we know granny does every day. Every day granny likes to get on her lawnmower. So my boys take this snake and they set it on the lawnmower seat. <clears throat> Now, my parents live across the road, road from us, and so my boys had actually went home, and my wife recalls what she, she calls a blood-curdling scream like somebody is being murdered. And my boys even hear it from inside the house as my mom sets on the snake on the lawnmower. <laughs> she was caught off guard. She was surprised. And no one likes to be surprised like that. You know, my kids are in the phase right now where that's what they love to do. Every corner I go around, they're jumping out at me, making me scream. Just a couple days ago, this happens a lot. I don't even know where we were at, but I said, go, go get me some more fountain drink. I said, get me some Sprite. Well, I come back and I take a drink and immediately I know it's not Sprite. They're like, surprise, Dad. It's everything on the machine. <laughs> or I was in the shower just a little while back and I'm just in there taking a shower like you should be. And I get a gush of ice water thrown over the top of the shower on top of me. Surprise, Dad. But we live in a world right now full of surprises, unexpected things. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Some people might be surprised by the news they get this week from the doctor. Sadly, because of the church this big on a weekly basis, we usually hear about situations where people get news every week of a heartbreaking diagnosis or a sickness or whatever it might be. Some people might be surprised to find out that their wife or their husband is leaving them. Some people might be surprised to find out that somebody they love so much is caught up in addiction. Some people might be surprised in a good way to find out maybe they got a new job But you fill in the blank. There are so many areas in your life that we are surprised for the good, for the bad, maybe caught off guard. But in Scripture, we've read about those that were caught off guard, those that were not prepared, those that were surprised. And the Scripture talks about this and how for the church, there are some things that shouldn't surprise us that will surprise the world. Let me say that again. Scripture talks about how There's some things that shouldn't surprise us, 
church. There's some things that shouldn't surprise us that will surprise the world. There is a day coming that should not catch you unaware. That's in your notes. There is a day coming that should not catch you unaware, church. And in Luke 21, he talks about this as he talks about signs of the end times. I want to read this whole passage. It's powerful. I believe it will help prepare us today so that one day we are not caught off guard because God has given us eyes to see and ears to hear. So this morning, turn with me to Luke 21, starting in verse 5. It says this, some of the disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, as for you, what you see here, the time will come and not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. He says this, these things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilence in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so, you will bear testimony to me, but make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a head on your hair, not a hair on your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. When you see Jerusalem being surrounded by armies, you will know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those in the city get out. Let those in the country not enter the city. For this is the time of punishment in fulfillment of all that has been written. How dreadful it will be for those days for pregnant women and for nursing mothers. There will be great distress in the land and wrath against the people. They will fall by the sword and will be taken as prisoners to all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled on by Gentiles under the times of the Gentiles, until the times of the Gentile, Gentiles are fulfilled. There will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror apprehensive of what is coming on the world. 
from the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great joy. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And he told him this parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees when they sprout leaves. You can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you will know that the kingdom of God, this is in your notes, is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Verse 34, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life. And that day will close in on you suddenly like a trap. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the whole earth. Be always on your watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that's about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. God's Word is powerful. We believe that God's Word is truth, and God's Word reveals to us what is going to happen, what is going to come to help prepare His church. In Luke 30, what we just read, he said this in verse 30, when they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you can know that the kingdom of God is near. You can tell by the leaves what season it is. In the spring, we can tell that the trees bud, that spring is almost here. Our allergies start flaring up. Now in the fall, we can tell when the leaves start to change colors, when they start to fall, that winter is not far away. We just know we have learned, we have been taught, we've seen it happen before. And Luke says in the same way, we will see signs that show us that the kingdom of heaven is near. That the time of the Lord's return is close. We will know that the season is at hand. We don't know the day or the hour, as Matthew 24, 36 says. He says, but about the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. We're not date setters. We don't say Jesus is going to come back on this date at five o'clock. We're not that, but we do believe we will know the season. And we see God's word being fulfilled in front of our eyes, church. We see what's happened with Israel and it becoming a nation as we've talked about in 1948. We see the lawlessness of the world that we live in. We see that right is wrong and wrong is right. We see godlessness. We see natural disasters like never before. We see earthquakes and so much more. We used to think it would be crazy to think of a one world government or a one world currency, but now it doesn't seem crazy at all that that could happen and actually happen very soon. We see the buds on the tree. We see that spring is close. We can know the season. We can see that things are happening. But the truth is this morning, the world is distracted. Many in the church 
are distracted, chasing everything that this world offers, chasing as many would call it the American dream. And Luke knew that. He says in 2134, be careful, we just read it, or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. It is so easy to be weighed down with everything of this world. Any of you all facing the anxieties of life? It is so easy to be distracted and Monday happens and you're just totally, perspective has changed. And it's so easy for that day to close in on us like a trap if we do not live our lives prepared for our King. It is so easy to be wrapped up in so many things that we miss the main thing. And most have no clue. Most, are he their heads are in the sand. They, they don't know what God's Word says about what's to come or what will happen in the last days. Many churches, most churches, if we're going to be honest, don't want to talk about Revelation, don't want to talk about the end times because they would say that that's just gloom and doom talking or that's just figurative talking. But the passage ends with saying, don't let that day close in on you suddenly like a trap. Don't let that day surprise you, church. Don't let that day find you distracted. Because he says, that day will come on all who live on the face of the earth. Verse 35, we just read it, it was in your notes. For it will come on all those who live on the face of the earth. You can't avoid this day. You can't hide from this day. You can tell yourself it won't happen, and it still will. There will be a last day. And whether it's through Jesus' return or it's whether through your death you will have a last day that you will stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he ends the passage with this in verse 36, be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen and that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man. That should be our prayer on a daily basis. That, that we may be able to escape all that is about to happen, that we may be found faithful before our God. Because there is a day coming that many will be found unprepared. If you see a winter storm coming, you prepare yourselves. If you live in Kentucky, you get milk and bread <clears throat> for some reason. But Hurricane Ian just came. And many prepared. Many boarded up their houses, many got water and generators to prepare, they got food. Why? Because they saw the storm coming. They saw the signs and the warnings. Then, though, then there are those that said, it'll be okay. Then there are those that say, well, it's never, water's never got up that high where it would get in my house, I'm safe. And sadly, there are some of those that were wrong. Sadly, those that might have even lost their life. They had been warned. They had been told. They saw the news. They saw others preparing. And they chose to stay, maybe not to prepare like they should. And many lost their lives. I think of the awful, devastating floods in eastern Kentucky. So many surprised, caught, unaware, off guard, never had it happened before, and they lost everything. How much more should we be prepared for the coming of our King? It's going to be a bigger event than any hurricane, 
any earthquake, any flood, any pandemic. You want to be prepared for that day or you will be swept away. We see the signs around us. We see the storm clouds on the horizon. We see scripture being fulfilled. Still many are unaware. Yes, even in the church. Distracted. But church, he has given us eyes to see. He has given us ears to hear. He has given us his spirit inside of us that leads and guides us into all truth, that convicts us, that reveals things to us. He talks about this coming day in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 1. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1. It's called the day of the Lord. Now, brothers and sisters, we can say church, about times and dates, we do not need to write you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But I don't want you to miss this next part, verse 4. He says this, but you, church, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. I want to go back and read verse 4 again. He says, but you brothers and sisters, but you in Christ, but you church, are not in darkness, that this day should surprise you like a thief. I want to make it personal, but you Chad, put your name in there. You are not in darkness. He has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. So this day should not surprise us. We belong to the light. We have nothing to do with the darkness. We live in a world that wants to just try to walk on the edge. And as long as it's just a little bit of darkness, it's all right. No, he has called us to have nothing to do with the darkness. He has freed us from that. He has set us free from that. And because of that, we are no longer an enemy of God. We are his friends. And I love what John, what John says in John 15, 5. He says this, or John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. That's in your notes. I have made known to you. God has called us his friend. He has revealed himself to us. He has let us know his plans, what he is up to. And that's why we are not surprised. 
because we are a part of his family. My family knows my plans. My family knows what's going on in my life. My kids know what's going on in my, my life. If I'm going to do something, usually they're going to know about it. And we are in God's family. We are his children. We are his heirs. And he has told us, his family, what will happen so that we are not surprised one day. And then he ends with saying that we should encourage one another with these words. This shouldn't bring panic. This shouldn't bring surprise, but rejoicing. The day of our salvation is near. Now, I have always told students that if the thought of Jesus coming back scares you, if I was to say that Jesus is going to be coming back, and usually if you tell a student that, if that thought scares you, then there's probably something in our life that we need to adjust, examine. There's something in our life that's convicting us. Because there was a time in my life when I know when I was younger that I was not prepared. If you grew up in a house with Terry Cooper, then you heard revelation a lot around the table. And so there was a time in my life when I heard that, if I was going to be honest, that would have brought more fear than excitement. And why? Because there were things in my life that I hadn't truly surrendered to Christ. So the thought of being surprised one day by Jesus' coming scared me because I was afraid I'd probably be caught off guard because I was still a little too comfortable and attached and connected to this world and hadn't truly surrendered my life to Christ. And I see that now because I'm on the other side of that, and I'm like, Jesus, come get me. Amen. Anybody? It should bring the greatest excitement because we will be receiving the goal of our faith, the salvation of our soul. Does it scare you, church? Or does it excite you? He knows. You can fool your family, your kids, but he knows in your heart if it excites you, if it's your greatest joy to be in his presence. Because I know many that would say, you know, I want Jesus to come back, but I want Jesus to come back one day. Because right now I'm really enjoying life. I love what I'm doing. I love my job, my family, everything that's going on right now. Jesus, you know, you can come back, but let me finish living first. If that is our heart's desire, then our heart's desire is to not be with our king. We have become way too comfortable with this world being our home. There will be a day where there is no longer sickness or death or pain or addiction. Many say they are ready, but they are not. Many say I'm good, I'll get ready when he comes. Or we hear this a lot, I'll, I'm going to get things right in my life. I'm going to clean up my life first, and then I'll come to Jesus. Then I'll start coming to church. Church, you can't clean a fish until you catch it. Let me say that again. You can't clean a fish until you catch it. He can't clean you until you let him have you, until you surrender your life to him. Only the blood of Jesus can make you clean. You can't do it on your own. There will be a day when many who had good intentions, they meant well, they, they wanted to do the right things. But on that day, they will be surprised. There will be a trumpet sound, and there will be those that in that moment will scramble to try to make things right. 
and it'll be too late. There'll be a trumpet sound and there'll be those that knew that were probably even in this room or in rooms across the nation this morning and that trumpet will sound and at that moment they will scramble. And they will scramble as we'll read in a second to make sure that they put oil on a lamp. But it'll be too late. And today I want to read one of my favorite parables. It's the parable of the ten virgins. Turn with me this morning to Matthew 25, starting in verse 1. 25, verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. And five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. And the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later the others also came, Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I believe this is one of the most sobering passages in Scripture. Why? Because I believe that God's Word is truth. I pray that you do as well, and I believe that one day this is going to happen. One day this parable is going to unfold before our eyes. And one day the bridegroom is going to come, and on that day the door is going to be shut, as he said in verse 10. And on that day, some some of you are going to have lamps that are empty. Some of you are going to have lamps that are full. Yes, even lamps of those in the church. Those that were distracted, those that were playing a game, those that it was more of a religion than a relationship, those that were too busy with everything else. I mean, I have jobs, don't you understand? I mean, there's sports and I have hobbies and I have ball games and I have parties to attend. And I mean, I'm just, my schedule is full. I can't constantly make sure that I have oil in my lamp. I'm a busy person, don't you understand? And for many, that day will catch you unaware. Because he's not the Lord of your life. He's not your master. He's not your king. I'm sure in Noah's day, they were surprised when it started to rain. That crazy old man that's been building that ark, 
when it started to rain that day, it didn't look so crazy. That God that he worshiped and told him to build an ark, on that day, that God didn't look so crazy. And then it begins to rain more and more, and the door of the ark is closed. And now they see that they need to be on that ark to live. That ark is their lifeboat. But it's too late. The door is shut. Their lamp is empty. And I imagine that many would die banging on the side of a boat asking them to let them in. So close. So close. But surprised and unprepared. Church, there is storm clouds on the horizon. I would even venture to say it's starting to rain. And a day real soon, the door of the ark is going to close. And scripture says that today is the day of salvation. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he says this, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Hebrews 3.15 says, as has just been said today, church, if you hear, this is in your notes, if you hear his voice, church, if you hear his voice this morning, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Church, we beg of you, while there is still time, while the door is open, fill your lamp. Prepare yourself, surrender yourself to him. Is his voice speaking to you today? Is his spirit convicting you? Is the Holy Spirit this morning telling you that you need oil in your lamp? Answer him. Don't ignore his calling on your life. Obey immediately and trust his plan for you. I loved Christian music in the 90s. I mean, I like current Christian music, but I grew up listening to a lot of Christian music in the 90s. We would go to Ichthus festivals and stuff back then when they had that. Anyways, one band that I really liked back then when I was, I guess, a younger kid was a band called DC Talk. Anybody ever heard of a band called DC Talk? Very few of you. Some of you are like, no, I've never heard of them. They sang a song called, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. I want to read a few lines of this song to you this morning and really pay attention to what these words are saying. They start off the song like this. Life was filled with guns and war, and all of us got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. It said the children died and the days grew cold. A piece of bread could buy a bag of gold, or a gallon of gas could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. It says, and there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. The next verse says this, a man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and she turns her head and he's gone. I wish we'd all been ready. It says that two men are walking up a hill. One disappears and one is left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. 
And it says, and there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. It says, the father spoke, the demons died. How could you have been so blind? How could we have not have saw it? It says, and there's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. He ends with saying, I hope we'll all be ready. Will you be left behind? I ask you this question this morning. Are you ready? I ask you this morning, is there oil in your lamp? Matthew 24, 36 says this, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what happened until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. It says two men will be in a field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and one will be left. He says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Verse 45, it says this, who then is the faithful and wise servant? Whom the master has put in charge of his servants in the household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for the servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. But suppose that servant is wicked and says to himself, my master is staying away a long time. He's never going to come back. Not in my lifetime. They've been saying that forever. And he then begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour he is not aware of. He will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Church, this is not a joke. This is the word of God and this will happen one day. There will be a day when two will be working. Two people will be working in Frankfurt and Lawrenceburg at a desk beside each other. And yes, one will be left and one will be taken. A family will be driving down the road 
and somebody will be taken and somebody will be left. A wife gone and a husband left or a husband gone and a wife left or a child or a friend. And it's not a game. We are talking about where you will spend your eternity. And if that day surprises you, if that day catches you unaware on that day, it will be too late. That's why he has told us, church, what will happen so that that day does not catch us off guard. I couldn't help but think of the old temptation song. It says this, so people get ready because there's a train coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesels humming. You don't need a ticket. You just thank the Lord. There is one thing you don't want to miss. That's when the train comes and stops at this station. If you miss this train, you miss everything. Everything else in this world, Paul says, will seem like rubbish. All the worries, all the distractions, all the money that we chase after that's going to be burn up all our houses and things that we accumulate our life for on that day when that train stops will be meaningless. Today, as I, as I begin to wrap up, I want to read that passage of the 10 virgins one more time. And I'm going to light if I can. And as I read this passage of the Ten Virgins, if I don't catch the church on fire. As I read this passage of the Ten Virgins, I want you to examine your hearts this morning because this morning either your lamp has oil in it or it doesn't. And as we read through this, like I said earlier, you know where you're at. God knows where you're at. You can put on a good show for everybody else, but we're not going to fake him out on that last day. So I would encourage us this morning to be real with who it matters. Let's read Matthew 25 again, starting in verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. And all the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give us some of your oil. Please give us some of your oil. Our lamps are out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. 
And later when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Nineveh, so you too must keep watch. For you do not know the day or the hour of the Lord's return, but we do know that it is the season. You must keep your lamp burning and full of oil. Which one this morning are you? Which one? Because you know, can't be in the middle. And there was a day I didn't have oil in my lamp and praise Jesus, he came and filled mine. And I don't want to be surprised on that last day and I don't want you to be surprised. I don't want your family to be surprised. I don't want your kids to be surprised. Prepare yourselves and prepare others. I don't want you one day to be at work and that person that you sit beside every day, every day, day in and day out, they're left behind and you're gone. And they're like, why didn't they ever tell me? Why didn't they ever tell me about the most important thing? In John 5, 28, he says this, don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who had done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who, is con those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Church, don't be surprised. There is a day coming soon when the dead in Christ will rise, and we who are in Christ will follow them. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise. After that, we, church, who are still alive and left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. But not everybody's going to be caught up on that day. Wednesday nights, we've been studying the tribulation. I'm sure many of you have been a part of it. If not, I encourage you to go back online and watch it. It's available. You don't want to be left here when the church is taken. When one day a third of the earth's population dies, we live in a world that's falling apart. We live in a world where this week in the news, you go find news articles everywhere that says the words Armageddon, and you see the words fear of nuclear world war in other countries, things so unstable. In church today, we have hope, and it's not in a man. It's not in an army. It's, it's not in a president or a government. Our hope this morning is in a man named Jesus. And we don't wring our hands because he told us all this will happen. He didn't say it was going to happen. He said it must happen. And for those who are prepared, those who have oil in their lamps, there is nothing greater than that day to be found faithful. Corey and the band's going to come out. There's an old hymn. says this, when we all get to heaven, 
what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. On that last day, church, will he find you faithful? Will he find you with oil in your lamps? Because there will be a day when that door is closed, when the door of the ark is shut. Today is the day of salvation. The worst surprise would be to find out that you've been left behind that you knew what it took. It was in your reach, in your grasp. But everything else was more important. This morning, today is the day of salvation. I encourage you to examine your hearts today. If maybe for the first time you need to surrender your life to him, maybe today you need to put oil in your lamps. You need to ask him to fill your cup. Maybe you need to repent of something. I don't know what that is but he stands at the door and he knocks. Let's pray. God, today we thank you for your faithfulness. God, I'm so thankful that you have told your church what's gonna happen. I'm so thankful that you have told us what we are seeing before us right now. And we don't have to be surprised. We don't have to worry about a trumpet sounding and catching us off guard. We can be prepared and ready to stand before you. So God, I pray that today, if anyone in this place doesn't have oil in their lamps, that today would be the day. And God, they would realize that once you come and you fill their lamp, God, it would change their lives. So God, we thank you for your blessed hope that we have through you. Today, we surrender our lives to you. God, I pray that one day when you call our names, that we will rise, we will be found faithful. In the name of Jesus, we pray. It's time you can stand. We're going to have a time of invitation. You need to make a decision today, somebody to pray with you. Just come forward to pray. Uh, you can at this time.